referencing the last podcast, what you do in your personal. <laughs> All You're right. To be back. <laughs> yes. Hello. Welcome uh, to Parentel. This is a podcast, you know, safe space for just talking about all the parenting things that you like, don't like, um, wanted to experience, but didn't. Um, so cool. If you, you know, didn't like being pregnant, welcome. If you've never been pregnant, welcome. Um, it's really a space for anyone and everyone. Um, Coyote is back, you guys. Hello. Hi, Kayla. How's it going? <laughs> it's going pretty well. I was just trying to remember. I mean, you were on, was that like episode three? Yeah, so it was really early back. Yeah. And now you've grown. It's right? great to see the progression. <laughs> I have, yeah, you know, I have like a real light now. Maybe you can see me better. And maybe I'm a little less awkward than before. Don't comment on that. The pipes are still golden as well as the content. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're going to talk to you guys today. We're going to dive right in because I want to maximize our time. Um, we're going to talk to you guys today about what it's like to be biracial. Um, and so I purposely asked Coyote because he has biracial children. So he's a father of biracial children. And then I'm a biracial person. So I had, you know, a childhood growing up biracial and you know, I grew up in the nineties, um, where I would say that it was more noticeable if you were biracial, I'll just say it that way. Like people just noticed it more, um, versus now, you know, in the late 20 teens, um, it is still noticeable because our country is super fucked, but it is not necessarily like you know, it's not necessarily like a diamond in the rough, if you know what I mean. Um, so just like two different perspectives, two different time periods. And we're going to just kind of come together and just talk about our experiences and how we can make it better for the next generation. And also just like putting it out there and just opening your eyes to maybe how it is, um, like what life is like for biracial children often. Um, and if you're not biracial, it's obviously something that you probably don't think about, which is fine. You don't need to feel bad about that at all. Um, so you ready? Let's just, we're going to do it. Okay. So like I said, we're pretty much, you know, to start off, let's just compare and contrast our experiences. So I grew up in the nineties, um, you know, pre, pre a lot of things. Um, I would also hazard a a guess to say that this was like pre um, like large representation of other types of races, orientations, all of that stuff in like children's literature. I feel like growing up, not once did I ever see a book that was for children about being biracial, not once. And I would have loved to. Um, that, you know, that would have been something that really would have just helped me feel seen. Um, so to break it down, my dad is white, my mom is black. And if you are, if this is like brand new information for you and you're like, what? I had no idea. I thought you were white. That's, you know, you're not the first person who has thought that or said that to me. Um, my, first of all, I will say like, biracial children i think it's so cool how like it's again just how dna works like it's so fucking cool you're gonna come out looking however you come out looking and a lot of people think that i just quote look white um and we'll get into that and how harmful that is to say to so to a biracial person in a little bit um but my mom is very light-skinned and my dad is white so i look the way i look and i can't control that I can't control the way that I look, but to a lot of people, I've always just been white, I guess. So um, I feel like the memory, when you asked me, we were talking earlier this week, when you asked me what it was like for me growing up biracial, um, I know I talked to you about how like, I feel like both my parents kind of just glazed over it. It was like, well, you're mixed, the end. And, but that's not the end, you know, like I didn't know it at the time, but like I needed so much more than that. Um, I feel like one of the memories that really sticks out to me in my childhood is that whenever I was out 
with either my dad or my mom in public, um, I always noticed that people would stare at us. And it took me a very long time to realize why they were staring. And I just kind of realized one day, I guess as I gotten older, oh, I am, I look different from my dad and I look different from my mom. So, and when I say people, it was adults, you know, like kids are not, you know, kids are so much more accepting than we are and such this like amazing naivete. So it was adults who would stare. And I think that's probably the reason why I noticed it. Um, but I probably did they, any, like, did they ever say anything to you? Um, did they ever say anything? I don't remember anyone ever saying anything to me. I do remember, I think my mom tried to like brush past it because she maybe didn't want us to realize what had happened. But I think it was, you know, we were out at the store or something and maybe she had noticed that a lot of people were staring. And so two things about my mom, one, she's light skinned. I said that, but two, she grayed really, really early. So like she's walking around with me, a six-year-old and my sister, who's like eight and she's like full uh, head of gray hair. So I think maybe the stairs had gotten to her. And I think one person made a comment saying, or like assuming that we were her grandchildren, one. And so she was like, mm, no, these are my kids. Okay, great. Yeah, maybe don't, you know, maybe don't make that assumption. But I do remember like maybe in, at, on the same day or like in that same time frame, she made a comment about like, people are staring or like I'm sick and tired of people staring. And I think at the time I didn't really understand what she was talking about because I also was like, why? Like, well, I don't know. Like why or why would people be staring? Like we're just at, I'm just at the store with my mom. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was definitely one of those things where I just always looked different from my parents. And a lot of people often assumed that I was adopted, I believe, or that I was, um, you know, if we would be hanging out with one of my white friends, I think I remember one time someone thought that my childhood best friend who's white was my dad's daughter. And I was just like the friend, you know, and it's stuff like that, that like it, it piles up and it sticks with you. And it's, I mean, it's basically like a repressed memory that I just recovered just now live for you. So let's get a little more into that from the parent perspective, because I feel like I have the child perspective and it's a little muddled just because, you know, young and your memory isn't the best. But so from a parent perspective, how has it been for you, you know, to be the black dad of biracial children? Say thus far, it's been it's been all right so far. I feel like uh, I was talking to my wife a little bit earlier. My wife's Irish. And um, that's code for white. Like- yeah, yeah. What? yeah. <laughs> full. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She is fully white. Hi, now. White as white as milk. <laughs> on the, on the, my, my uh, mother in law did 23 and me. They were like, you are 99% Irish. <laughs> Why'd she do the that? Map was just like a little red dot of Ireland. And I was just like, what a waste of $40, you know? What a waste <laughs> of money, Terry. Come on. <laughs> yeah, we already knew. But who would have thought? So I was like, why even spend money for the excess? But for me, it's been it's been all right thus far. I feel as if I'm less warmly received when I'm with the children by myself in comparison to now. Mm. But sometimes I do wonder, like, is that race or is it based off of like gender? Because if, if I do see a dad with kids, it's like we have like a silent nod of like, mm. you know, like and it could be any it could be any dad. Yeah. Um, but like contextually, like I sometimes wonder, like, would someone that just come up to me and say, like, oh, are those kids yours? Like, mm-hmm. a lot of times people don't even just, just leave me be. We did have one incident where, and I, you, this is you just hearing this, it was about uh, three, four weeks ago, um, I was accused of stealing at Marshall's by no. not even being inside of Marshall's. I was... Um, so I was driving with my son. He was sleeping in the car. My wife, she went to Ace Hardware to pick up some gardening things. My daughter had to use the restroom. So she had her belongings from Ace that we purchased and my daughter. 
and she tried to take the cart into the marshals and the woman at the door said, oh, you can't take outside carts into marshals. All right, no problem. Sure, yeah. Pulling up the car with my son. He's still sleeping. My son's like, he's one at the time. And um, so my wife leaves the cart in front of the marshals with the Ace Hardware belongings, says, I'm going to take her into the bathroom, my daughter. And as um, so I go out the car and I start putting things from the Ace Hardware cart into the into my car mm-hmm. and the associate from Marshall's walks out of the store into the parking lot and says, do you have, do you have a daughter and wife? And I'm like, eh, like, why are you asking me that question? Yeah. And so she was like, cause people steal. And I was like, <gasps> <laughs> I was like, well, yeah. I was like, well, what I said, what would assume to you that I'm stealing? She was like, well, because people steal. And I was just like, you should be ashamed of yourself. Yeah. And, all, and some other words were exchanged as well. I was going to say, you're really nice because I would say, yeah. oh, oh, really? What kind of people? Please go on. Yeah. Continue. Well, absolutely. So like yeah. long story short, we could say that that was the last person's day of employment there um, working. At wow. But, then, but the thing is, it called into like a broader conversation of like implicit bias and things of this nature and like, what would make you assume I wouldn't have this wife or daughter who's yeah. going to the store? And yeah. how could you be stealing by association? But I think I think that's kind of like a, a one-off. I don't know. I feel like that's kind of a one-off. You think about the way I think it was handled. I'm like eh, semi-satisfied the way it kind of all panned out. I feel like yeah. looking at it, what would have happened if they called law enforcement? And then like, would that mix-up have occurred mm. if... I wasn't a person of color, wasn't black. Right. I don't know. But um, yeah. And I think I think one one thing it uh in my discussion, and even as I work, I feel like there's there's an invisible weight of sorts that does accumulate over time that people don't have a chance to really talk about our differences. Yeah. You know, like um and see and because some you see some people talking about like, oh well, I don't see color. Where it's like, well, no, you have to see color. This is like what yeah. you do is a stoplight. Like this is inherent and built in and all these other things, you know? So I, yeah. I feel like my experience thus far has been, I think it's been fruitful, and, but then it's also, it's, it's, I was telling my wife too, it's uh it's interesting trying to make the mental jump because where we live now, it's not a very diverse area. It's, yeah. it's a lovely place. I mean, so we're both from, you know, the same County, the same state originally. And it's one of the most diverse counties in the United States. Mm-hmm. Do you think that experience at Marshall's would have happened to you if you if you guys lived in PG County versus where you live now? No, but I also think like in PG County, you don't leave the cart in the parking lot. That's true. Like, That's like a whole scenario that you would just yeah, like, it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's, it's, I think it goes both ways in a sense. It's like, it's just a context, you know? And so like, even looking at it, like it was grossly inappropriate for her to, to do that. Yeah. But like, I feel like sometimes there's context and it is just like blatant racism. <laughs> like, right. like, I feel like, I feel like, I, I feel like I could be easily as followed in a, in a store in PG County too. Yeah. No, that's I, true. Given the context, if you get some, some of these people who are like power hungry, but the thing is like, it's just like in plain sight, you know, like, um, yeah. I mean, the fact that like you never even step foot in the store. She walked out of the store to your car to say yeah. that. Yeah, that's yeah. just where it's, there's something else obviously going on Absolutely. there. That was just like, you know, baseline of both of our experiences. I'm sure we'll continue to reference it as we talk about a few more things. Um, one of the other things that Kaira and I wanted to talk about is why it's important that we don't just gloss over the fact um, or like, glaze over biracial children. I feel like maybe the way I was glazed over it just for the sake of like, Oh, it's 2021. Like we accept it now it's normal, which is like those phrases in, like the, in themselves are have huge issues with me. Um, but yeah, so let's talk about like why it's important to bring this up and talk about this, you know, with adults and with children. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think you even look back, it was illegal for people of, from different races to even get married. Yeah. You look at like the Lovings. Mm-hmm. And it's like, um, I don't know, I think I think that 
I think that I take that for granted now because I I do live in a fairly liberal area. Yeah. It's it's definitely an ongoing it's an ongoing dialogue because it's especially like we we went to Maryland that to be two weekends ago and that ex I think the exposure piece and like like my children having a chance mm. to see their cousins and their cousins are also biracial. So I yeah. have like nieces who are biracial as well. And I have a nephew who's, who's, who's tri-racial. And so like we're in this diverse place. And like, I, I feel like with my children, they're able to see and interact with their family and they see it. Yeah. And I know it's their family, but beyond that, we still do talk about like, how we are, we have, we have different skin color. Yeah. We, we've started that conversation already. Um, my, my daughter, she's going to be three soon. But like, we've already tried to spur the conversation that like, oh, mommy's, got, like she has different like codes for like her skin color. But like, she knows like she's white, I'm brown, mommy's milk. She's like, I'm like hot chocolate. <laughs> we're talking about these things. And, like we have the books and like I think, and I think that helps now too to kind of yeah. spur that difference. But uh, to spur that conversation to say like, this is just part of you. You know, yeah. like, you're going to be loved either way. And I'm trying to empathize you know, with this two-year-old. It's Wait, it's such a huge, almost abstract concept in her world that you're trying to explain. <laughs> but I mean, it's you know, in my opinion, you're doing what you should be doing, starting it really young and just like mostly using books to just help her understand that like, you know, people are different skin colors. Your parents happen to be two different skin colors and we're all just different. Like it's, you know, I know you referenced this book in the episode that you were on and I actually bought it for my sister-in-law. Um, the Sesame Street one, we're different. We're the same. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, spot on, you know, as usual, Sesame Street, just spot on for like how to get kids of any color to understand that we are different and we acknowledge those differences. But at our core, we are the same as in we're all human beings. Um, and if you've never read the book, it kind of, I'm sure you know it much better than I do, but it shows like, what is it? It's like, we have ears and it's showing like the various Muppets ears and like how Snuffleupagus has big furry ears and Ernie has really tiny orange ears, but we all have ears. There's the similarity. So, you know, it's, it's books like that, that, and I know that's an older book too. I know it's been around for a while, but I mean, it's books like that, that I feel like I never saw in my classroom library, you know? And mm -hmm. as even if I weren't biracial, that still would have been a really important book for me to read and just help cement that thinking of we're all different and it's awesome, but at our core, we are all the same, which is why we should all love each other. And I feel like that's just, you know, you can't overemphasize that for kids enough. You really can't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we picked up another one. It's called Our Skin. Our Skin. And, oh, I think I've yeah. seen it, but I haven't bought it. I think I've seen it, but I haven't bought it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty good. You know? uh, but then in addition to the books, I think about like every other, like go through her room, mm. like the mermaid uh, pictures. It's like a, the mermaid has the same skin color she does. Her dolls mm. have like the same skin color she as she does. And then like, then there's like Frozen, which is like the Disney conglomerate, which yeah. is just like, you can't do anything about that, you know? Yeah. Like, but um, that's what they're going to But yeah. I think what we're actively trying to make, when we make those choices, we're trying to make sure that she can see herself in these, in these toys as well. Yeah. So and it's because, like yeah, I mean, you have to make, it's really important for kids who don't look like you know, most of the Barbies that are on the shelf, which to Mattel's credit, you know, it's not just like one black Barbie in a sea of white Barbies anymore. It is, you know, I walk down the toy aisles and the book aisles and target, and I am constantly impressed at just how much more inclusive all of the toys are. But then it's also like, man, like 
where was this stuff when I was five, six, seven years old? Because a lot of times I didn't feel seen or heard. And I, um, you know, a lot of biracial people do tend to have an identity crisis because it can be really polarizing. And I've said this to a few people before, you know, I've never truly felt like I belong anywhere because I'm with my dad's side of the family and all of a sudden I'm too black for my white family. And there's just this disconnect with a lot of things, even just in my looks and everything. And then, you know, with my mom's side of the family, then it's the exact same thing. I'm too white for my black family. So it's this, I'm, I've been stuck in this middle zone, this like no man's land, no man's land for a really long time. And it's, go ahead. No, so good question. If you say like white or black, in what sense? You're talking like physically a physical appearance I'm talking physical appearance I'm talking like mannerisms I would say I would say those are the two biggest things physical appearance and mannerisms I would say that it was obviously much more noticeable for me when I would spend time with my mom's family because then the color difference I'm the milk and they're the milk chocolate and I eventually, you know, kind of realized that and it just made me, it just made me feel othered and they were, you know, unfortunately I don't have a lot of contact with my mom's side of the family, but growing up, we went to family reunions every single year, you know, huge, like hundreds of people. And I always felt accepted. I never felt like I wasn't accepted. You know, my mom bringing her two biracial kids a divorce, I bring her two biracial kids to her family's reunion. I always felt mm-hmm. accepted, but I noticed that I didn't physically fit in. It just weighs on you. I actually read this really good NPR article. Um, I have to see if I can find it. This was like three or four years ago, and it was just a series of um, either biracial people or parents of biracial children and just telling their little stories of um, how being the parent of a biracial child has affected you or just like the interactions and experiences like your Marshall's experience. Um, And then as children or the children, when they were talking, just talking about how it's been hard to feel like they fit in anywhere or or on either side Mm -hmm. of their family. Um, And one of the parents you know, it was the classic, like, um, I think she was Filipino and she married a white man. And so her kids were half white, half Filipino. And people always assumed that she was the nanny or she was the maid whenever she was out with her children. And I sent that article to my mom, actually, this was had to have been in like 2017. So I'll see if I can find it. I sent that article to her and I said, you know, I don't know if you ever really felt this way, but I felt this way a lot growing up and it is just really validating to know that I was not the only one, like I'm not the only biracial person who felt that way. Um, And she responded and said, I think she she seemed kind of sad that I felt that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And she said, you know, like from a parent perspective, I dealt with those situations as well, but she expressed that she didn't know that I felt that way as a child where you just, you just feel like you don't fit in and it leads you to have this identity crisis that I honestly still have today. Like that I still struggle with today, especially when I constantly have people telling me, Oh, but you just look white. Oh my God. No, you're not. No, you're not biracial. Oh, so who's black? Is your dad black? Oh, can I see a picture of your mom? Like, and all of those things that I just said are things that people have said to me multiple times, like not just once. Um, So it's just really, you know, I feel like we always come back to this theme of like, you really never know like what people are going through or like people's background. So it really just pays off to be as open-minded as you can while not making assumptions. Um, Because I feel like I've been at the end of that a lot where I've had to be like, oh, actually, no. I'm biracial. And then, you know, then it starts all over again. Oh my God. Wow. But you just yeah. look white. And it's like, yeah, yeah. My, my question, even with that is like, 
even contextually, do you even have to like explain who, like what you are to any of, you know, like. So I will say my answer. So my answer has changed over the last couple of years, you know, like, um, how old am I? (laughs) 30. I would say like 10 years ago, I would have felt the need to like explain, you know, my fucking family lineage (laughs) in detail in order to justify and like prove like, yes, I am what I say I am. Um, and in the last couple of years, it's changed in terms of, I, I no longer do that one. I no longer feel the need to sit there and say, oh, well, actually my dad's white and my mom's black, but she's light-skinned. You know, like I'm not going to sit here and explain all my shit because I don't have to, but I've also kind of flipped it onto the other person. And we've talked about this on the show too, where if you're going to ask an uncomfortable invasive question, then I'm going to give you an uncomfortable answer in return to just kind of let you know that like, you're being really inappropriate and making me uncomfortable. So I'm going to go ahead and make you feel uncomfortable. Um, and I well, wait, are you going to have a, are you going to have a second job? <laughs> Listen, like this, episode, <laughs> this episode is not about my fertility, but thank you. See an answer like that <laughs> live. Um, <laughs> yay. <laughs> yeah. But it's turned, yeah, it's turned into like, I no longer feel the need to explain myself as much did you give me a fucking thumbs up (laughs) (laughs) illustrate the point illustrate the point and my thumbs up (laughs) no i'm keeping it (laughs) so i record on zoom so like he legit gave me like the thumbs up emoji (laughs) okay good one good one um and I cut you off. I'm sorry. No, no, it's fine. I was probably just repeating the last five things that I've already said. Um, Cause I do that a lot. It's just become this thing that I am trying to become more confident. Like my answer. When people ask me if I'm having a second child, just become more confident in my answer while also at the same time, kind of just flipping it. And um, you know, cause the classic, what are you? I've been subject to that many times. Um, and as a kid, I said mixed, biracial. And now if someone asks me that, I say, I'm a human. What are you? And the reaction is always like, you know, they just kind of stone face for a second because they're not prepared for that. But like, I wasn't prepared yeah. for you to try and come for my ethnicity when I'm at the fucking grocery store, Linda. Like, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I'm hovering around the reactions, but I already got like the reaction <laughs> <we> already <got. laughs> No, no, I, and I appreciate that because I think as as like what is this like this uh, the Spanish Inquisition like people are, like asking you like to announce yourself like yeah who are you to be asking all these these personal questions contextually like and I I know it's it's intent versus impact yeah because people don't realize that like that's just a charged question to be asking in the first place mm-hmm. they don't understand that like how that impacts others. Yeah. Like I'm going to be thinking about that for the rest of the day. And the only shouldn't be on you to have to educate folks. Folks need to educate themselves in order to make, in order to make this a more inclusive space, you know? Mm -hmm. So like you have to be go like you shouldn't have to, you talked, I talked a little bit about like that invisible weight. I should not be thrown on top of that pile because everyone has this their their piles. It's, it's it's like a weird catch twenty two if you're not if you're unaware because if I think of this area that, that I am, this is not a diverse place or area. So it's like like I'm had I'm walking with my kid like my two kids in a stroller and some guy yelled he was like you've been busy there boy like and I'm like I don't know like is that racist I was gonna say how yeah like who said it what did like as an old man to me with like young children being like you got kids like yeah like I'm trying to wrap my head around it but she's like almost so disorienting I don't yeah kind of like you just like freeze because you just don't no, yeah like you don't know what that meant because it could mean so many different things things. yeah and and it's so like i mean i don't have to say that it's hurtful but it's like is you're just it's just almost disorienting yeah Um, and it's just unnecessary like i don't and i'm sure again intent i'm sure that person well 
Most it likely. Racist, who knows? Right. And that's the thing where it's like, was he just being really fucking racist? Or did he mean like, oh, you have two young kids. You have your hands full. Like, you're literally a busy dad. Have a yeah. great day. But but the thing is, I bet they wouldn't say that to the, to a mom. You know? No. like yeah, And like, that's not, like, I really feel like sometimes they're like, oh, you have your hand full there, dad. And then like, I'm like, does he know? Like, she, she's like pregnant and she has two kids. And like, no one ever says anything. Yeah. Her. And she's carrying the groceries and she's taking the kid to the bathroom. And yeah, you're the one who gets accused of stealing. Like it's, yeah, we could, yeah. We could keep talking about that, which, um, you know, we've kind of talked about that in your episode about um, fatherhood and dads, but yeah. it's, yeah, it's messy. It's messy. You guys. Let's go a little bit more about like your experiences. Cause to me, it's really interesting to see if like, are things better for you? Are things like better for parents of biracial children than they were, you know, for my parents. So, um, you know, especially considering where you live and it's not super diverse, uh, have you had any incidents, you know, maybe at like school pickup? I, you know, obviously after the first couple of weeks, they know who you are and they know which child you belong to, but has that ever happened to you where it's like, oh, oh, you're Teddy's dad, you know, and you hear the intention behind oh. that, just like, oh, you're busy dad, you know, like, it's like, well, what does that fucking mean? Yeah. Like, luckily I would say no, because even with like something like daycare thus far, it's, um, uh, my daughter used to be in daycare, um, and so, like, they, they knew me from the job right. and we ended up moving. So, with COVID, like, mm. she's been here with the babies, like, with the babysitter when she comes and my wife mm-hmm. works from home or sometimes I work remotely. And so, it's it's never been uh, an issue when it came to, like, oh, are you the father? Right. Um, but I, I, that's happened a couple of times to, to now. And I know, like, that was mm. – it's, like – I know it's it's just an awful feeling from what you described, you know. Yeah. I can't even think of having like, like, oh, are you? Is this your daughter? Like, mm-hmm. and, then, and then it's like, well, yes. And then the per, you know, like you feel weird for being asked that. The person probably feels weird for asking you. And then you know, obviously, worst case scenario, what if they don't believe you? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, it, yeah. That's. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, I've already thought about that. I remember when I was pregnant, I was probably pretty close to giving birth um, because that was probably when I was like my most cryy. And I just randomly had a thought and I felt so bad saying this to Jimmy. And it was one of those like, he can sympathize, but he can't empathize moments. And I felt so bad saying this to him. And I said, the more I think about it, I am like disappointed it makes me sad that my son is probably not going to look like me in the sense that he's just going to look white and I am not just white so obviously I would love for him to look like you know like I would love for him to just look more like me but I just got really sad one day about it and I you know, I said, I obviously know he's going to be light skin. I am light skin. He's going to be light skin, but I'm just sad that like I'm biracial and yet my children aren't going necessarily to reflect that just physically because then my anxiety starts spiraling and then wondering if people are going to ask me, oh, you're Robin's mom. And it's like, yep. Mm-hmm. Yep, I am. Thank you. And yeah, and that's just like, you know, it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing to sit with when it's almost like people are questioning your validity, like questioning if your child belongs to you. Well, you told me a story, and if you want to share it, you can, about your friend when he went to the hospital. Oh, yeah. He he ended up telling me um, they were really aggressive with him at the door being like, oh, show me your wristband. So, like, let's backtrack. So, like, he's white. Yes. Yeah, and his, his wife is black. And so they just gave, she just gave birth. And they had to, like, the nurses were, like, double confirming that he was, like, the dad going back into the room. Mm. And I was like, I can't even fathom that 
because it's is, uh, like from the, from day one. Right. That's, yeah. That's like just, you're at the freaking hospital and it's, and it's already starting. Was that for his first kid? I think it was for, for his, I think his second one. I'm not sure. I think also too, even in terms of like, it's, it's really kind of with my outlook, I have to have a positive outlook. Right. I think just me personally, because it's like the world, I'm not, I'm unsure the world that they're going to be entering as they go into as adults. So it's like trying to furnish them with a skill set for them to know who they are. Yeah. And like, I feel like with a firm awareness of yourself, you're able to kind of like weather things that occur. Yeah. Because those hardships will occur. They'll, they'll happen. And I oh, know yeah. I'm not I'm not around forever. So it's like, and I try to sound morbid about it, but it's just like in the, in the time I do have with them, it's like, what can we do to make sure that like, you know, you're loved? And two, that like the solution to this is yourself at, at the expense of no one. Like you will yeah. have everything you need. Um, and then like, if you're doing the right thing, you know, and like, even like um, I work in like higher ed and um, it was very kind of off put once by an email I received assuming that I was like a first generation college student. Now, mind you, there's nothing wrong with first being a first generation college student. Yeah. But like my, my issue with the email was what kind of list is being compiled mm. with where I work to make folks assume that Oh, just because he's a person of color, therefore he has to be a first generation costume. Mm-hmm. Like there's no stigma associated with it, but it's like, well, you folks track like wh- what kind of tracking system is in place to assume as such? I um, hope you I hope you added um Coyote Lewis PhD to your email signature that day. Yeah. <laughs> as just a I mean, little it's, it's, a little classic. Yeah. 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 But it's like, but but when you're thinking of like like what is this like firm awareness of like being in these, even if I was a first generation college student, it's like having an awareness of who I was. I shouldn't be like, no one should be tracking people one. Right. And second, like on top of that, it's like, I feel like I'm I'm comfortable enough in myself to, to say, to, to question that. Yeah. And so like, I think that's, that's a little bit of an example of it. Well, it speaks um, to, I mean, yeah, it kind of exposes the type of like tracking or data systems or lists that are being compiled. And, you know, there's, it's, it's based on certain metrics is what I'm saying. And I think you all know what I'm saying when I say that, you know, and it's, it is, and it's just wrong, you know, like it's really fucked up and it's just, that goes, that's like a you know, a broader systemic issue, obviously, but it's, it's stuff like that, that adds up. You know, I think we talked about this earlier in the episode, how like all of these things add up and they can have, unfortunately, a large influence on your feelings of self-worth, on your, um, how you identify uh, with yourself and just how you feel as a person who's just trying to live their life. A hundred percent. Well, I feel like personally, I feel disappointed with the way I'm describing my experiences. I'll be upfront because I, I don't know, maybe it's because I've never felt super comfortable talking about this stuff. Um, Cause I have imposter syndrome. This is the identity crisis. I have imposter syndrome in my head. You know, when I talk about being biracial, I've heard enough people tell me, oh, but you just look white. That that pops into my head now. Whenever I say I'm biracial, in my head I hear, oh, people aren't going to believe that. You just look white. Like, who cares? You're like, oh, you're just like super light-skinned. Like, who cares? You're not special. Um, But I guess that's kind of the whole point is that like you don't know what people are going through in their heads and you, for the most part, especially, you know, now that like the average American, you know, we've all seen that picture of like on the cover of time from a couple of years ago that said it was like a generic, um, 
computerized image that said like this is what the average uh person will look like in like what 2055 or something like that and it was a person mm-hmm. with like medium brown skin um dark hair and like hazel green eyes and I, you know the article obviously goes on the whole point is that like the way we look is changing and i think it's you know i grew up kind of like right before stuff like that was on the cover of time you know and it was mm-hmm. in some ways i almost felt like a novelty sometimes and you know i was maybe one of two mixed people like in my class almost every single year or i was the only one and it's just a weird spot to be in, especially as a kid who is still figuring out who they are and who they want to be. And you're not necessarily being given the guidance and the self-confidence to feel good in how you look and to know that it's okay to look different from your parents. Um, and so I think it, you know, it's amazing that you're already talking to your daughter about that stuff because there is going to come a time, you know, when her friends are going to meet you for the first time. And if you still live where you live, most of her friends are probably going to be white. And the first time you come to the door, they're going to be like, Oh, that's your debt, you know? And like, so she, depending on what you guys teach her, she has two ways she can deal with and feel about that. She can either end up feeling really insecure and defensive, or she can feel confident and, you know, justifiably, give her friends a little lesson. Yeah. That's my dad. He's black. That's what he looks like. My mom's white. That's what I look like. All right. See you at school tomorrow. You know, like it's. But my question, I have a quick question for you too. So like, even as you talk a little bit about your, not a little bit, but like about your identity, if, were there ever any situations where folks assumed that you were white and then they said something off the cuff, just assuming you were white, not thinking that you were I'm nodding my head so hard now, you guys. Oh, my God. The amount of times I have lost track of the amount of times that this has happened to me. I almost brought it up earlier, but I was like, man, we won't won't get salty. But yeah, it's that's happened to Mm -hmm. me a lot, Um, especially um, like college and beyond, I would say. Um, Yeah, that has happened to me a fair amount of times. And it's always been it's one of those things where like I've grown more comfortable and kind of being like. Hey, guess what? Um, But it's very uncomfortable, (laughs) you know? Like, it's very uncomfortable to be like, oh, you thought you were in, like, a safe space, right? No. (laughs) 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 And it's, but it's just like, it sucks that, it sucks to be in a position where that happens to you no matter what. But it also sucks that, like, I can be in a room with, people who don't know me. So they most time think I'm white. And I will say 99% of the time it's white people who think I'm white. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, like I would say most black people, especially after they get to know me, they're like, Oh, Hmm. Are you? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, okay. All right. I thought so. Yeah. Cool. Um, But I'll be in a room (laughs) with a few white people who don't know me and a few white people who do know me, but I'm the only one who says something. You know, I'm the only one who speaks up and says, hey, that's actually really racist. And just to let you know, my mom's black. Hey, you want a beer? Cool. <laughs> like, yeah. it's yeah, it is so it's so uncomfortable. And I just once again, I've gotten better at responding to it and not feeling as uncomfortable. But it always does make me I sad. Always, that, like, go ahead. No, you always makes you sad. I'm sorry. I was just say it always makes me sad that like. I'm the only one to speak up, you know, even if one of my white friends were to speak up at the same time as me and be like, Hey, Whoa, like we're going to call you out for your racism right now. And also just so you know, you're not in a room like that shouldn't matter, but you're not in a room full of just white people. So continue. What did you want to say? You know, like it would just be nice if we had this and that's a whole nother issue, but if we, and we've talked about the invisible weight where it's like, so it's on the person of color to say something and stand up. 
but it shouldn't just be on them, mm. you know, to kind of, that's another, like another little two pounder that's like on the weight that you were talking about where it's just like other people should be speaking up to, but what were you going to say? I always wondered about that because it's like, it seems like you'd be privy to so much more about like how people really feel when they're working. You think, yeah, yeah. And like Mm -hmm. beyond like the pleasantries of like daily interaction. But I think, I mean, and I want, I mean, please argue with me, but it's, if you know that, I feel like there's, there's something that could be, there's something there that could be used for the greater good. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, it's like you got granted like an all access pass. Like, if you know that, like, that's like, you know it's, exactly kind of where that person stands. Oh, if they want to say that, so like, you don't know me from Adam. Mm-hmm. Like, my wife is telling me like, she, was in the hospital, she was in the hospital, uh, recovering from kidney stones, having a conversation with someone else in, um, in the same recovery room. And she started talking. I don't understand what, what's going on with these protests. I don't know why they're so angry. I don't mm-hmm. understand why they're so mad. Like, why are they so, and like, and like, she was just like, she just let this person talk. Mm-hmm. Like, let this person talk for like a good 30, 40 minutes before she was just like, oh, yeah. Well, I don't think that's the case. I know for experience, my husband's black. And then it's just Bitch. like a total switch. Yeah. But it's like, but I think, I think, I, I don't know. I, I, it's, I think there's something there that like, in terms of like facilitating those, converse, those yeah. conversations of like, and getting to the depths of it. Like if you would ask me, if I say, well, oh, why do you feel that way before revealing that? Like, mm. I don't know. Because everyone does have confirmation bias as well. Like yeah. people are coming from these decisions based on like a, some somewhat of an entrenched view of what they perceive the world to be. Yeah. And until like the mirror is kind of put up, how can you get them to kind of change but like that's not your job that's not your job i'm not saying that right. that shouldn't be yeah. on you yeah but like but an awareness of like where people are coming not and, and, and that that should not fall squarely on you yeah. but it's hard to to make a space more inclusive when you don't know where the true attitudes and beliefs of the people within that space are that's true and then you're left like tra- having to like interact in that space not understanding like the unwritten rules that quote unquote have governed governed it. You know, like we're talking yeah. like white supremacy. Oh yeah. Things of that nature. Um and how can that be unraveled without a keen understanding of like what forms is it taken, like the microaggression realm, or like these off-the-cuff comments, or like these oppressive systems. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm thinking about all of these things as like, all right. From a, from a super to nuts practicality standpoint for my kids when they do get older, like walking in a store will not be as simple as walking in a store. Yeah. And like, they have to be aware of that. Like, and I, I think it's a, it's, it's going to be a delicate balance of like understanding their innocence and understanding the realities of the world yeah. and trying to illustrate like, this is a, you have to have a more comprehensive awareness of where you are yeah. because this is the world you're going to have to like, you're going to like, you're going to be thriving in, but like, yeah. I think you are you only thrive in a space with a true awareness of like all these invisible systems at work. Oh yeah. At play. Um, and their understanding is going to be, and going to have to be more comprehensive than a lot of their friends. They're going to have to understand, you know, to use the same example, they're going to have to understand potentially what is at stake when they walk into a store. And a lot of their white friends who are, you know, at the same age, they're not, you know, they're not thinking about that. And they're also not being taught that. And they don't have to worry about it in a sense. You know what I mean? But going back to what you said about like kind of just letting people talk and, you know, just kind of, you know, you know who you are, you know what you are, but they don't know. I will say I have, (laughs) I think I've kind of transitioned to that way of responding Um, before, you know, one example was this was what, 2016. Um, Do you remember the riots in Baltimore? 
Yep. Um, I was Freddie at a friend's Gray. house. Mm-hmm. Freddie Gray. I was at a friend's house, and this was like the day they started, or like the second day when it was the most violent, and so it was on every news channel, and everybody was talking about it. And I arrived at my friend's house, and he lived with um, three other people, and they were all white, and he's white too. And I walked in because we were about to go. So we were there for a moment, you know, like this all happened in like five minutes and the girlfriend of one of the roommates who is a nurse. So I'll just say like, this is, was these thoughts and words were coming from a medical professional. So that adds another layer to it. We're all just kind of standing there watching the TV, just kind of like, just in disbelief and like in sadness, at least that's how I, that's how I was. I was feeling very sad. I was feeling very heavy. It was just super fucked up as always. And we were all just silent watching the TV and she goes, well, I mean, she either said, I hate to say it, or I don't want to point it out, but I was like, oh, here we go, girl. But notice that they're all black. And I just like, okay. And I didn't, I didn't know her super well, um, but I got to know her much more in that one sentence. And I said something to you to the effect of, you know, yes, they're very upset the way they should be. Cause she said they're all black in context of they, you know, similar to what that person was saying to now, they are being so violent. Why are they so angry? Why are they being so violent and looting and all of that stuff? And it's all black people who are doing it. Um, And I said something in terms of like, yes, we, we all should be very angry. Yes. And I said, oh, and just so you know, I'm biracial and my mom is black. And the look on her face I mean, for me, priceless, like chef's kiss, but mm. it's, mm. And, you know, <laughs> right. Where it's just like, oh, but that's, I mean, that's the exact type of moment that you were talking about earlier, where like someone reveals who they truly are because they thought that they were in a group or in a room of like-minded people, or at least like, you know, like-skinned people. And she found out that she was wrong. And, you know, I was very uncomfortable saying it just because once again, to be like the only person in the room to say anything and to also be the only person of color in that room. And my friend and I left to go to dinner shortly afterwards. And, um, she, she apparently like broke down into tears after I left and was just really upset and (laughs) Kaede just rolled his eyes and, um, (laughs) she was really upset and kept saying like, Oh great. Well now she's going to think I'm racist. Now she's going to hate me. And she did, she either texted me or she apologized in person. And I said, look, I, I don't hate you. I just think what you said is really fucked up. And I think you should think twice about why you're saying that. And, you know, again, not someone who I knew super well, but it was one of those things where like, oh, okay, that's how you really feel then. Okay. But I will say, you know, to wrap it up, I now am much more like Nell where you just kind of sit and listen and you'll just, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. Because it is, it does give you an opportunity to A, see how that person, see what kind of person that person really is. And also to find out like, what they're thinking is. And then you do get to kind of you, depending on the situation and depending on your energy level, facilitate a brief discussion on like, well, Hey, I actually disagree. And I disagree because this, 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 this also, I have personal experience with this because I'm married to a person of color or I actually am a person of color. Um, so it is, it's almost like, It's almost like being a spy sometimes where you just like, but you, the thing is the, I guess the shitty thing about it is like, you never know when it's going to happen. I've talked about this on the show as well. You know, we're the parents now we have the opportunity and I believe we are both 
you know, taking that opportunity to help our kids understand how complex our racial identities can be, but also how to feel confident in them and to advocate for yourself and to also understand that, yes, you know, you may be quote different, but you're still deserving of every right and privilege as everyone else, you know? Yeah, I, I do view that difference as an asset. Yeah. Uh, because like, even if you, th- you think about that too, that, that that's incredible. The thing is like, people are yielding all this information to you. You don't even know them from Adam. And like, that, that, I don't know. Like, I know that's a lot of stuff to process, but like, I don't know. I, I keep viewing it as an asset because I'm just like, at least you know. I, I mean, mean at least it you is. have like explicit evidence of that. Like, that, like, all right, I know. I kind of know what you're scared, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, and then for them to disclose that. And I think it's, um, I don't know. I, I, I do feel like that comfort of being the only one or being different. I feel like now, I feel, I feel very comfortable being in those spaces. Yeah. Um, I mean, it is what it is. And, but it is what it is in the sense of like, I know that given whatever challenges that arise, I'd be able to address it. And as a parent, be able to think, all right, now this broader context, I need to like try to boil it down in a simple way in order to like have my child be successful. And mind you, like my kids are very, very young. So it's like, it's, it's a, I'm not a perfect parent I'm learning every day. Yeah. Gaining information. And it's this constant negotiation of um, even like, and I think with co-parenting as well, like uh, I really do feel like I'm lockstep with the approach that my wife has in terms of like the way we see the world. Yeah. And even trying to like explain the, like a topic of race to our daughter. Yeah. And then also the other broader conversations, um, that she would have with her peers about like race. Yeah. Or, like she remember like spoke to the manager. I spoke to the manager and she spoke to the manager and um, about the Marshall's incident. Yeah. And I, I feel like she gleaned even more information just mm. about, about the context too. But like that helped about like when we talked with the, like the district manager about it. So it's just like, Oh shit. You went all the way to the top. No, yes. yeah. Like no, we went straight to corporate. Like it was, yeah. yeah it was, I I'm, mean, I'm, 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 I'm encouraged. I think, you know, and it's, I don't want to come off. And we talked about this a little bit again in your episode. Cause you know, and this is part of the reason why I asked you to come do this because I felt like we had already had a mini conversation about this in your dad episode. So I wanted to kind of continue it. And it's not that like, oh, my parents did a terrible job. It's also that on the whole, that 90s was prime. I don't see color time, you guys. Like, where's your critical race theory then? <laughs> right? Like, it was just, that's what we all like, we're all one. And like, you know, I only see in black and white. Okay, bitch. Well, um, it was, it was just a different time in terms of having honest conversations and truly, and like true inclusion, because I don't see color is not true inclusion. That's not what it is. Um, and now it's just, you know, it's become so much better. It's become a much more open space for parents to have these these discussions with their children. And we have all these books now that can really help facilitate that, especially, you know, for the early, early elementary and even um, kids who aren't even in school yet. So I think it's, I don't want to say that like, oh, it was terrible for me because my parents did nothing. No, they did what pretty much everyone was doing at the time, which was not talking about it. But thankfully, we are talking, thankfully, finally, we are talking about it. Um, And I think it's only going to continue. And I also think it's going to, I know it's going to make a huge difference for 
our children, our children's generation when they are older and when they grow up. And it's only a matter of time. It, I, I can only, it's only been talked about even more. Mm-hmm. So you wonder about like access to resources and all these other things as you talk about your experience too. Like it just has my, I kind of piqued my interest there. Yeah. So. And yeah, cause maybe there were, maybe there was more there and maybe I just wasn't exposed to it, but I do feel like, you know, the amount of resources that we have now in 2021 compared to 1991, I mean, five, 10 yeah, times yeah. more, you know, like it's just, it's, thankfully it's a good thing but it's thankfully it's so different it's so more readily accessible for everyone and everyone should be you know doing research reading books reading articles because it's just really important to change the way you think and then inform your children because your children are going to think the way that you think at least up to a certain age you know and one other thing to kind of build off your point, even as like this medium as a podcast, I really appreciate the fact that like you're having these conversations now because you think about like access to content and the way mm-hmm. content was generated, even like by like when we were born in terms of where it is now, like it's almost like <laughs> I want to fact check, God willing, hopefully I like I'm good healthy, like when my kids get older, we go back and like take a look at this episode and say right? like, <laughs> Like, you stopped giving me dolls when I was six. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, but no, but, but, but so like, I feel like this is going to be a good for, for me, like, a good check to see, like, all right, how do these things manifest and change? Because my children are very, very young now, and I yeah. think it's like it's easier, but like, you're giving me some very interesting, some things to think about as they get older. Yeah to keep the conversation going. I mean, which is, yeah, because that's, yeah, we're going to, ha- we're going to have to, but it's, it's definitely, yeah, it's, it is easier now because I mean, your almost three-year-old can only, like, you know, like she's only <laughs> independent enough. I know she's a runner, but she's like, mm-hmm. she's only <laughs> self-sufficient to a, enough to a certain extent. And that's, you know, we, and that's, the point though, that like we have such influence over them, especially right now. So like, that's why this shit starts early. That's why we start building the foundation now and talking about race and explaining it in a developmentally appropriate way so that they genuinely understand it. We're not sugarcoating. We're not glazing over things. We're having a real conversation. We're just having it in a way that a two, three, four-year-old can relate to. All right. Well, this has been real. It's been heavy, but it's been enjoyable yes, as that, always. Um, well, you've already answered our parent question, how you change as a person. So last time you were on though, we didn't have, we didn't talk about lawn chair moments at the end of every episode. So you get to answer our second final question now. Um, and I'm sure you remember a lawn chair moment is just a, it could be five minutes, could be a whole day, you know, when you had time to do something that you really enjoyed where you had time to maybe slow down. It could be by yourself, could be with your kids. It's whatever just made you kind of like your environment, like your surroundings and smile for a second and just enjoy your life for even just five, 10, 20 minutes. So lawn chair moment. Lawn chair moment has been yard work. Become one of those people. Literal. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're a dad dad. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Who's... I bought a product and by, by, by no way, shape, or form am I employed by the Root Slayer Company Limited, but it's a root slayer. And like, I've been really tackling some of these roots like like crazy. It's, it's, it's an incredible product. It's an incredible, like, I'll be honest with you, if Jimmy or you have like any like nubs in your lawn, this, like, don't pay $100 for some guy to grind them down. You buy yourself a root slayer with the circular edge. It, it's an inc- it's an incredible product. I, I'll be honest with you. Like, I'm getting. I'm, I I took out like two or three stumps last weekend. I think I caught like like walking pneumonia. I'm in there like coughing in my mask. I'm like it's raining, but you know what? Like the ground is so raining. soft. It was so soft. It was an opportunity. Like you, 
you can't tell I'm sitting there like relaxing on the couch with Mel and I'm just like, I think I gotta go out there. Gotta gotta <laughs> yeah. gotta and, get like, to I took it. Out, like, two or three like large stumps. Like large dying. stumps that I would have to like round down. I think it was incredible. I, I really enjoy like the lawn weed whacking, you know, like I have like an assortment of lawn equipment now that I never had. Um, but like, the, the, the root slayer is by far my favorite because I feel like it's you're not really slaying the root, you're slaying the root in yourself, yeah. you know. So I, I mean, it, it is very, it's yeah, it's pretty meta. Good for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, it's just like therapeutic in a sense, you know. You're just really well. taking your anger out on uh, <laughs> on those roots. This so, has been. So been. Said, get Jimmy next next anniversary. His anniversary gift should be a root slayer. That's what it should be. Honestly, he'd probably be pretty thrilled. <laughs> this has been a infomercial for Root Slayer. <laughs> I don't have a promo code. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm telling you, like for anyone who needs roots removed, by far. Like, I know we like pivoted, but it's an incredible product. Top five products. Oh my god, I'm so glad that you are. <laughs> since no, like you know me, like our friendship is based on sarcasm, but like. I'm genuinely glad that like this is a thing that you like doing, and your lawn probably also looks fucking fantastic. Then, so I'm telling you, no more, no more stumps. Ash trees are the enemy. The um, HOA can just kiss your ass. You know, they're not putting any notices on your door. On my watch, <laughs> I am the HOA. Um, oh my god! Um, well, thank you, thank you for sharing your lawn chair moment and. <laughs> continue to slay those roots and um let's continue to be anti-racism slayers you know hey, absolutely full circle mm. all right well it was a pleasure yeah thank you so much and uh maybe we'll see you again when we do a larger discussion um kind of continuing with this absolutely thanks again for having me on and um look forward to touching base all right bye